0: The ship got hit hard when we fled Saleucamide. Several systems have been glitching ever since. Repairs would go faster if I had some help. As soon as I finish building this scanner, testing the functionality of our inhibitor chips takes precedence. I thought you said they were defective. A theory this device will be able to prove. Besides, the ship-wide diagnostic report indicated no critical systems were compromised.
1: Once again, Bucketheads, mevar Tigar, Welcome to the 55th Ordo Moon Dragon deceiving episode of Mando Vision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And if possible or so inclined... Sweet, sweet, sweet! Five star reviews are very, very helpful. They help into the small. They help the small independent podcast like us stand out and not get crushed by the empire's boot heel. And uh, we appreciate any any and all help we can get on that front. Remember, we are on your favorite podcasting platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Amazon Audible, and so many, many more. And if you need me on more, I'll get us there. Don't worry about it. All right, we're here. What episode three of the Bad Batch debuted today, and and. As we have maintained since the show dropped, we are doing a day of episodes to cover the show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. I'm having a really great time watching this show. I think uh, it's getting really positive feedback from the viewers. Every, everyone I see on social media seems to be really, really enjoying the show. I've, I've not heard uh, any, any real negative criticism about the show, and I, I'd like to see that continue. I mean, It, it, it is interesting in one sense, because it, it, at this point, yes, it's a new show. Uh, but it is a it's it's a fairly finely tuned machine at this point, you know. After seven seasons of the Clone Wars, and 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 everything like that, I mean, th- this show is it's and Rebels. I should I should include Rebels in that as well. Seven seasons of the Clone Wars. We have five of Rebels, and yeah, they know what they're doing over there. So not a surprise that they are, uh, you know, in stride already. Uh, three episodes into the show. So we're gonna talk about that and get into it today. Uh, but before we do that, we have to do something. That's just going to be insanely important because, um, um, listen, it's a very special day in Star Wars land. And uh, that always involves we, us taking the time to talk about that. And, and if you haven't quite figured out what I'm talking about, because I'm, I'm speaking in really vague terms, and that <laughs> wasn't the intention, today is the day that we thank the maker. It is George Lucas's birthday. And we wish George Lucas a very, very happy birthday. I'm sure he's uh, listening to this podcast uh, with his feet up and, and uh, uh, a Mandalorian helmet on his head. Because why wouldn't you just sit around with your feet up and a Mandalorian helmet on your head listening to podcasts all day? That's kind of how I do it. If you want to, like, a peek behind the curtain, that's me, like, 99% of the time during the day. Feet up, bucket on. That's how we do. All right? <laughs> so happy birthday, George Lucas. Thank you. We thank you once again for all you have done, all you've provided for us, the beautiful bounty that is Star Wars that you, you you brought into this world with the help of some very fine people as well. We don't want to, you know, we, we want to spread the love on that. But uh, 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 thank you, George. You know, without you, there's no Star Wars. There's no Indy. There's no Willow. There's no Tucker. A I man in his dream. So thank you so much, Mr. George Lucas. I hope you're having a birthday to, a birthday for the ages. I believe it is your 77th birthday, which means 77 slices of cake coming your way, courtesy of the MandaVision Podcast. So get ready. (laughs) You're going to be busy eating those. (laughs) All right. Like I said, we thank the maker. Happy birthday, George Lucas. Let's get into our show today. Episode two of the Bad Batch, Replacements. All right. Here we go. You know what you got to do. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Well,
0: that doesn't look comfortable. For either of you. We're fine. Here. Yeah. Ciao time. Oh, finally. <laughs> ah, finally! Hit me again! Well, that's all for now. Rations are low. Ah. You can have mine. Hey, Omega doesn't even have a place to sleep. You want to take her food, too? Oh. Oh. Uh. No thanks, you keep it. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm not used to having a kid around here. Well, none of us are. But she's not complaining.
1: As we said at the top, this is Season 1, Episode 3 of The Bad Batch. Episode titled, Replacements. Our plot, The Batch gets stuck on a desolate moon. As bare-bones a description as you can get of this plot. There's a lot more going on in this story, and we will talk about all of that uh, in due time. In due time, our our director for this episode is Nathaniel Villanueva. Once again, written by Matt Mishevitz. Please, I hope I'm getting that right. <laughs> I apologize if I am not. Our voice cast today, as always, the great Brad- D Bradley Baker as the Bad Batch. Michelle Ang is Omega. We have a uh, we have a couple other appearances. Oh. Ben Diskin is AZI-3. You may recognize that droid by now. Steven Stanton is Admiral Tarkin and Fighter Number 1. Emilio Garcia Sanchez is ESO1. Danelli Hall is ESO4. These are the, the the troopers, by the way, in case you're not you're not following along, the new recruits for the for the Empire. Uh, Gwendolyn Yo is Fighter 2 and Natala Say Nala say, excuse me. Bob Bergen is Lamasu. Jonathan Lipow is the Ordo Moon Dragon and a refugee, and Noshir Dalal is Vice Admiral Rampart, uh, a character we sort of got a glimpse of in, in last week's episode as they as he was issuing the order for the chain codes, and we, we learned that uh, that it is it's this Admiral Rampart who uh, is, this chain code thing was was his uh, contribution to the Imperial war machine. So that's our voice cast for today, and yeah, we have we have a, a, a really interesting episode, uh, and I'm gonna break it down. Uh, probably d- very differently than, than I than I normally do. You know, a, a lot of times when we do the rewatch of Clone Wars or or even when we do our Mandalorian episodes, uh, we go in a very chronological way. We kind of work our way through the show from, you know, A to B to C to D. Uh, you know, starting at the beginning all the way to the very, very end. Uh, this episode, I wanted to sort of split it up uh, because we sort of have the A story and the B story. Uh, and, and, and for argument's sake, we'll say that, that Hunter and Omega and the Batch are the A story and then crosshair the recruits and everything going on in camino and and uh, you know going on with the empire is the B story and yeah I want to kind of talk about them in those terms because uh, our episode title is replacements and that has a very um, for each story that ha- that has very different meaning and I think I think everyone can can very easily see uh, what we're getting at with with that I mean we're, you know with the batches sort of new family dynamic with Omega. Uh, they're, they're, they're missing their brother, Crosshair. Uh, and I don't think they view Omega as a replacement by any means, but as the numbers go, she, yeah, she sort of like fills that spot, and, and we see a little bit of that when she comes across his, uh, his sniper gear. Uh, and then, obviously, on the Imperial side of things, um, it, it's, it's, it's Crosshair uh, replacing his brothers with a new squad of, of, of troopers, of, of, you know, basically a new version of Clone Force 99. Uh, but this time, instead of clones, instead of them being his genetic brothers, uh, th- these are recruits. These are Imperial recruits. Uh, and there's a lot of discussion about loyalty in that B storyline, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as we get into it. But yeah, for right now, we're going to focus on that A storyline on the Batch, on Hunter, and on Omega. So let's let's kind of get into that. Well, as you know from the, from the sounds, from the clips we've been playing, and... From watching the episode, uh, our heroes having uh, uh, escaped narrowly—I'll say narrowly—escaped um, from Salukimai in the last episode. Uh, their ship did manage to take some damage. Uh, I think that's something we kind of wondered about a little bit as as, as the stormtroopers were, were were blasting away at their ship as they were as they were leaving orbit there or attempting to break orbit. Um, so ship systems fail, they have to crash on a Desolate Moon. But before that, before that all happens, uh, there's a lot of stuff in those sound clips uh, that, that, that's very interesting, that uh, shows how the dynamic with the Bad Batch is changing with Omega's presence. You know, we have that wonderful scene. Her, uh, her easygoing nature and, and her uh, curious, casual demeanor uh, I, I think it's just this wonderful presence to to juxtapose against uh, the, this kind of like hardened military unit that is the Bad Batch against Clone Force ninety nine. Uh, so so she brings something new to the table here, a new dynamic uh, that 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 they don't know how to deal with necessarily, but they're trying to figure it out as as they learn this new family dynamic that they're shifting into. Um, but I love seeing her like you know laying up against like the the knocked over Gonk droid. Uh, something about that just tickled me a little bit. And how she seemed to just like not think much of it. You know, she's like, "I'm comfortable. It's fine. All good. All is good here." Uh, and then they're even eating rations, which again, that's uh, something that we didn't really, we hadn't really discussed yet. Like, what is the, what is the conditions gonna be for the Bad Batch as they are sort of wandering the galaxy now? They don't really seem to have a purpose just yet. They don't seem to have uh, solid footing on on what their their game plan is gonna be. Uh, but I think we start to get a little bit of a hint of of where that's going to go, and that a lot of that has to do with what happens next. Just before the power shorts out, you know, we do see the power fluctuations as lights flicker on and off in, in the ship. And by the way, the ship is sort of is very quickly becoming uh, the Bad Batch's home, and uh, uh, that we we definitely see that reinforced by the end of the episode. Uh, and you know, you know, what I'm talking about when Ridden Wrecker builds the the bed, the the bedroom, basically for Omega, and uh, I, I just a really sweet, touching moment. This this A story has all the heart and emotion in it, uh, while the B story is all the uh, imperial horror show, as some may consider it. As you just sort of see the 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 underlying. Uh, tyranny and and darkness that is the Empire, and and, uh, the the boot heel on which they decide to step on the galaxy with. Uh, So, I want to talk about that scene where, and we played the clip of it, where where Tech is building that scanner so that they can uh, get readings and data from those inhibitor chips that are implanted in them. You know, and Echo makes mention that he thought they were defective. Uh, but as with Crosshair, we, we know that it wasn't defective, it was just kind of like muted and tamped down. And then Tarkin, in that first episode, was able to boost it and make Crosshair uh, an extremely loyal and dedicated soldier of the new Galactic Empire. Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, smart of Tech and, their, and the rest of the team to uh, try to solve what the heck's in their heads and, and get to the bottom of that. And, and, and see if, if they are potentially at risk of losing their free will at some point. And that's sort of the other question that we, we will have to wrestle with down the road. Uh, how much of this is against Crosshair's will? Uh, you know, is or is he just doing what he wanted to do? We saw that he had problems with Hunter defying orders and not being a good soldier. Good soldiers follow orders. That, that's Crosshair's mantra at this point in the show. Uh, so that, that's I think that's going to be something that we, that we get to explore. And the idea of... You know, again, I, I will use the term that we've used a lot in our rewatch of the Clone Wars, uh, that the, the Grand Army of the Republic is a slave army, uh, and they are, they are born and bred for, for combat only, but they are sentient beings uh, who are stripped of choice and, and, and the wrongness that is implied in that. Uh, and, and we see the Bad Batch acting very much with, with free will, and I, I, I do believe that will be a, an underlying theme of the show as we, as we sort of move forward here, the ability to choose uh, to do the right thing and the wrong thing. And, and, you know, right now the Bad Batch seems to be following along with things, but maybe Tarkin's going to develop a way to, to amplify those, those chips, those inhibitor chips in, in Clone Force 99 and bring them back to the fold and make them loyal and dedicated soldiers. I think what's more likely to happen... Uh, is and I think we all have suspected this is that eventually at some point they will go and they will try to rescue uh, Crosshair and bring him back and and sort of deprogram him. But this is a first step. The the scanner that Tech is developing is 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 going to be a key component of that as they have to learn more about the chip that's in their head and how to combat it or turn it off or whatever it is they're going to have to do so that they can rescue their brother. Because that's the other thing in this episode that you. Uh, really feel from the from the batch is is the the loss and the, the missing of of crosshair of their brother. and and it's 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 sad. it's it's sad that it's a little heartbreaking to think of it in, in in those terms. I mean, you know you think about your own family and you think about your own relationships with people and and um, how someone would go astray essentially and 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 leave that family unit behind to do something that the others are considering to be very very wrong. So I I'm, I'm very intrigued by all that and and that's just the opening of the show. We haven't even gotten to like the action yet. Like we haven't even crash landed on the moon just yet. But that's what happens. They crash land on the moon. I think it's really funny. I like the fact that like tech uh, uh, says, "Oh, the ship's fine. I ran the diagnostics. We're all good." And then that's right when everything goes to heck because that's that's very much a Star Wars thing, you know, to think everything's we're going according to plan and then boom the the bottom falls out from underneath you, so they crash land on this moon. They got to replace some power uh, capacitors. Uh, it just so happens this Ordo this Ordo Moon Dragon is attracted to the power source. He uh, the creature steals the power source, uh, and so they have to go out and, tra- and track the creature, get their power capacitor back, and this leads to a, a, a more of a bonding time between Hunter and Omega. Uh, what's interesting also about this episode. Interesting is not a strong is not is not the right word, uh, but during the crash landing we see once again Wrecker bumping his head pretty hard uh, during the crash and this is this causes him to not be able to leave the ship. Hunter sends, leaves him behind to kind of uh, deal do his ship stuff. <laughs> you know doesn't think he's he's, he's going to be okay out there because of the, the the injury he seems to have sustained. And this allows Wrecker the time. To end up building that that makeshift bedroom in the ship for Omega, and and again we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, no really nice stuff. You get Hunter and Omega on their own tracking this creature. Again, and I go back to Omega and her her curiosity, her natural curiosity, uh, and and wanting to be like Hunter and wanting to learn how to track, and and be you know remember they are. You know, clone cousins of a sort. You know, they have the same genetic material. At least that's the assumption. That that, based off of interviews I've read, I'm I am assuming I am asserting that she is of the Jango Fett DNA n- genome, and and that they are distantly related. I know I've read there. There's been a lot of other speculation that that she is not, and and maybe that'll maybe that will turn out to be the ultimate revelation. Uh, but for the discussion at this point, let let's just kind of go with that uh the data that we have saying that she is of the same genome as them so they are connected to each other and again i really like that that just that that again that that sort of natural curiosity that exuberance that omega exudes her her um, wanting to see and do everything and 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 i don't know it's it's just it's so charming and and to compare and contrast it against the the bad batch again these hardened soldiers Who uh, you know just spent you know three years deep behind enemy lines doing doing all kinds of crazy missions uh, on behalf of the Galactic Republic, so I really really like that, and um, I think this scene kind of gets us uh, the scene with Hunter and Omega kind of gets us to where we want to be from the previous episode. You know I I sort of talked about how I thought they were going a little fast with that uh, a father daughter relationship between the two. Uh, this is this episode to me goes a long way to helping get us to that point. The the way they talk to each other, the way that uh, Hunter uh, lets her come on the mission, like he seems to have learned from Sulukamai and and the experiences there, and, and trying to keep her in a box and protect her by not letting her experience anything. Uh, but I think in his heart, like he knows that she's a clone and she's quite capable, so he needs to kind of give her a little bit of trust at the same time, and. That happens, and uh, one of the things I did like about this episode a lot is uh, that the, they used the rebreather masks, because uh, obviously we were on a moon that uh, had a, 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 a not-breathable atmosphere, which is not something we get to see a lot of in Star Wars, uh, you know, surprisingly. Very often we are we are on worlds where you can just crash land and it's all good outside. And uh, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean that as a criticism, just as an observation. So I like seeing the breather re- re- masks, and uh, particularly when when uh, the auto-moon dragon engages after they've, they have successfully tracked the dragon, and they have found the capacitor, and they are, are trying to recover it, and the moon dragon attacks Hunter, knocks the mask, and Omega has to replace it, but, uh, you know, Hunter's taken some some uh, bad atmosphere into his lungs, and he, he's kind of out of it for, for a few moments. And this Allows us to follow Omega as she begins to make her way uh, into the the Moon Dragon's lair in an attempt to, I think, in her mind, earn her place with the Bad Batch by recovering that capacitor to to get them out of there, and and we get some really interesting stuff in the, in that sequence.
0: It's getting away. <laughs> Hunter, wake up! Wake up! Echo, Ricka, take! Come in! We need help!
1: So I really like that sequence there as, as she's sort of contemplating what to do. She sees Hunter's blaster, grabs it, takes it. What I really like about the sequence that follows, while she is in uh, those those tunnels of the of the Moon Dragon, how um, she she's armed, and we've seen her fire the gun in, the, in that first episode, uh, but she doesn't seem to have a proclivity towards towards uh, that level of violence. Like she doesn't seem to. Be, like, I'm not saying she's a, pac- a pacifist by any means, but. She is able to intuit solutions uh that are that result in, in uh, that can be done with nonviolence without having to to blast the moon dragon and i i, I that speaks a lot to uh, who this character is and 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 uh her nature and so I really like that. I love how she kind of sort of puzzles out uh the moon dragon and the the part with the flashlight. And that it was interested in, the, in that battery pack, and she was able to use that as a decoy uh, to distract the moon dragon, so that she could grab the capacitor and get out of the tunnels and return to Hunter. Uh, that says so much about who this character is, uh, and, and again, her 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 sort of true nature. You know, she may want to be part of this bad batch, but the 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 skill set she's going to bring is going to be entirely different from that of just another clone soldier. She's going to have a lot more to bring to the table. And uh, this also kind of helps to deepen the, uh, a bit of the mystery of, like, what is the purpose of Omega? What was she cloned for by the Kaminoans? And, again, that I believe that will be something that we get to over the course of this season of the show. And, and I'm really excited to see what they decide to do. I'm still sort of of the idea that uh, she will be a, used as a weapon against the clones um, but I, I've seen a lot of other speculation about that that goes in very very different directions you know a lot of there seems to be some Jedi talk amongst people. I'm not a fan of that idea uh, mostly just because like I I'm okay with there being a Star Wars show that doesn't revolve around uh, the Jedi or the birthing of the rebellion but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the show at least did the birthing of the rebellion as maybe the bad batch sort of plants the seeds. For rebellion, as you know, we've already seen Soguera in this, so so I mean, who knows? We'll see how that all shakes out. But yeah, this it says so much about this this character, and I'm I'm so intrigued by her and 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 uh, uh, charmed by her that uh, again the you the the contrasting nature of of her against the batch against Clone Force ninety nine uh, is is really something to see. It's it's it's. I'm very, I'm very charmed by it and endeared by it so far, and I'd like to see it continue to develop and and, and deepen. And again, this what I like about this episode too is is, is not just about Hunter and Omega uh, deepening their bond and, and having that sort of father daughter relationship that we kind of saw foreshadowed last week, uh, but the stuff with Wrecker in this episode. You know, as as she sort of is connecting with all the all the characters in the batch. You know, we haven't seen her much with Tech or Echo, but I am I, I would assume they will get their moment. To connect with this girl at this at at some point during the course of the season, uh, but I really like the stuff that with Wrecker. I like the Recker going out of his way, you know. And Wrecker's sort of like the overgrown child of the Bad Batch, anyways. Uh, so seeing him do this extra extra, you know, going above and beyond to make this girl feel welcome, to feel like part of the family, part of the team. I should say that backwards. I should say part of the team, then part of the family. You know what I meant. It uh, says a lot about Wrecker, too. you know. He's Wrecker sort of has a bit of a, a childlike wonder, too. It's just a more destructive and uh, aggressive for sort of a, a childlike wonder <laughs> as he really just enjoys destroying things. He is called Wrecker, after all. But, yeah, no, really, really nice stuff. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't get more heartwarming than the scene with the bedroom. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's just so cool. It's so cool. So now we're, we're going to transition into, into that B storyline with the Imperials. Uh, but there's one more scene I want to play with the Batch. To kind of be that transition. And uh, this is when they're looking for the parts to kind of uh, fix the ship, and Omega comes across Omega, or uh, I'm sorry, Omega comes across Crosshair's weapon kit, and the conversation that follows afterwards, I think this is really interesting stuff, so I want to kind of use this to, to branch into the next half of the conversation. Check it out. Uh
0: fine. I'll say it. I kind of miss him. He shot you, remember? Ha! I sure do. That hurt. It's worth noting the possibility that Crosshair's actions were influenced by his inhibitor chip. It can do that? That's what it was designed to do. So, it wasn't Crosshair's fault. Well, look, debating this won't fix the ship. Right now, we need to find that capacitor and get off this rock.
1: So again, I really like that, you know, Hunter kind of s- cuts off the conversation but but tech and his his reply of well, is it, you know, again, that gets into our, our free will. And, and you know, is the, is the inhibitor chip the thing that's controlling him? Or is it just making him more clear-cut in his, you know, a good soldier follows orders mentality? And and that's one reason why I think this is a, a really interesting conversation to keep having as the show plays out, as we kind of get into this. I, I'm very curious if uh, free will and the, and, the, and freedom to choose kind of comes up naturally through the progression of the show because uh, uh, as as i've maintained and you know they don't really talk about it too much on the show but i maintain the the the, the grand army of the republic is a slave army and uh, it's an important conversation to get into at, at a certain point and this seems like the show that might do it uh... because now that we've we sort of have cleared the decks of the jedi and all their business and we we got to order sixty six um, now we can kind of get into some into some stuff we can get deep on some of the some of the thematic issues, some of the some of the the moral quandaries uh, that that led to the fall of the republic and the rise of the empire. Like now is the time to kind of get into these things and, and parse it all out. So I really want to see how this all shakes out.
0: A strong ruling government requires an increase in soldiers to maintain order throughout the galaxy. Our facilities are fully capable of creating more clones for the task. Sustaining such a vast engagement is not one clones must do alone. There are other ways of producing loyal soldiers.
1: As I've mentioned before on, on episodes Reviewing the Bad Batch, I am I am completely intrigued and fascinated by the process by which the Empire is going through uh, to replace the clones and, and to bring about a, a conscripted army of, of individuals. Um, and the sort of Rampart's way of talking about certain ways to bring about loyalty. And... Loyalty, I think, is obviously going to be a big theme on the show as well. You know, we sort of hinted at it with the clip. You know, is 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 Crosshair loyal because of the inhibitor chip? Are the other clones loyal because of the inhibitor chips? Um, that's something that, that needs to uh, be discussed and, and shown throughout the show. And it, again, it'll be interesting to see what tech comes up with. As, as he begins to his, his investigation into the inhibitor chip and its natural properties. Obviously Omega will have, or, or ought to have, something to do about this, uh, because she seems keenly aware of the inhibitor chips and, and what they bring to the table. So if, if there's going to be some sort of solution uh, in, in, in liberating Crosshair from the inhibitor chip, Omega will probably play a part in it. But at the same time, you have to wonder, are, are, will they give this choice... To the other clones, to their other brothers. Now, again, we've seen how isolated the, the batch is, how isolated Clone Force ninety nine is from the other clones, because they are viewed as rejects. They are viewed as um, not knots. They are viewed as knots, basically. They are not uh, uh, of the by the other. They are not viewed by the other clones as the same, and and so there is a distance there between their their other. Again, genetically similar, but uh, very, very different in the eyes of, of each clone. The regs, as they are called, on the show. So what we get to next is we find out that th- that Crosshair is going to be the leader of this new regiment, this new small but be- group of soldiers, new elite soldiers. And again, replacements for the Bad Batch that are on the run for Clone Force 99 that is now on the run in the galaxy. And we learn a little bit about... Uh, just, we can just get a little bit about them... Ah, uh, one of the one of the recruits mentions how he felt uh, completely abandoned by the Republic. You know, the Empire gives him three squares of meals a day and a roof over his head, and that's that's fine by him. And he's going to be a good soldier because of that. Uh, and this is where Tarkin decides to test them out by sending them back to Onderon uh, to kill Guerrero and his rebel forces there on the moon. Uh, what we get next is completely horrifying, as as this new uh Stormtrooper Squadron moves in and uh, quickly dispatches the, the, the Guerrero's forces that are still on the moon. Guerrero long gone at this point, but they want his location. No one knows where it is. Saw Guerrero doesn't talk about that stuff. He's not going to just be all willy-nilly that I'm going, hey, I'll be hanging out at, a, at the canteen on Moss Eisley. He's not talking like that. So uh, what we get next is, again, completely horrifying, but let's check it out real quick. All right, I'm going to go ahead and play the scene out. It's, it's a little long, so I'll, I'll kind of uh, talk to the quiet parts. This is after after Crosshair has ruthlessly killed the pilot of, of this ship and and, and set the, the evacuees back to the surface of Onderon, and now uh, they are very intimidatingly <laughs> escorting them off the ship. i of them if that's a flamethrower. I mean, it's nuts. Like, this is just, ooh, it's dark. This is some dark stuff here. Check it out.
0: I don't know, but I wouldn't tell you if I did
1: I believe you. Brutal. Just brutal. Do any of
0: you have information you'd like to share?
1: We don't know anything. We were promised transport off-world. That's all.
0: Then you're of no use to the Empire. What are you doing? Guerrera's fighters are dead. These are civilians. We should bring them in. Those weren't our orders. Forget our orders. This is wrong. So you're not going to comply? No, none of us are. Ignore the clone. We signed up to be soldiers, not an execution squad. We're going to detain the prisoners and take them in for questioning. You want to know why they put me in charge? It's because I'm willing to do what needs to be done.
1: And that guy's got a hole in his chest.
0: Good soldiers, follow orders. Finish
1: the mission. well' oh, this is bad news. Ooh, and he's just so cold. Crosshair is just so cold as he stares and, and watches as these new recruits uh, butcher these people, massacre these people, and... and uh, civilians that like, like as, as was stated uh, unarmed combat non unarmed non-combatants basically and and uh again completely representative of what this Empire is all about and what this Empire means in the grand scheme of the galaxy uh, and to see the way crosshair does it and I, I think we are supposed to ask ourselves like, is is this the chips doing or is this crosshair and I, it's it, again it's a valid reason it's a valid argument it'll be so interesting to see what happens when Cloden Force 99 comes to, comes to rescue Crosshair? Like, it, it, are, are they going to be able to get through to him? Like, once that inhibitor chip is out, does it really change Crosshair? Or or, or is this who he actually is? That, I, I think, is really one of the interesting aspects of the story that we're going to get to. And it's such a wonderful dichotomy. Uh, to, to, I, you know, I didn't expect this to be the case. When when, the, when this show came about when it first debuted, now I am not a person who goes online and, and it goes online and looks for uh, ma- you know spoilers and and you know wild fan theories and speculation. I, I don't do that because I I like to come up with my own and share it with you all on this on this podcast. <laughs> so I, I you know if anyone knew ahead of time that that one of the batch was going to turn and and go go Empire and be against them. Uh, that was not something that I had expected, but it was something that they played so well in the, in that opening 70-minute episode uh, to kick off this season of the show. And and I, I'm so intrigued by the ideas and the themes and, and all of this stuff that they could... I mean, again, they could totally not get into these things, and it would uh, be disappointing, but they, they could still tell a really compelling story. I, I just... I, I, I hope... That they're going to dive deep into into the into the, the the idea of free will and and you know individuality necessarily you know again individuality in this clone army is something that we were taught a long time during the course of the seven years of the show. Yes, they're clones, but they are unique individuals. And perhaps Crosshair is just more in line with the Imperial way of thinking. We're going to find that out. Uh, I'm I'm very curious how that all shakes out. I can't wait to see how we explore more of the inhibitor chip stuff, uh, the Rise of the Empire, uh, Crosshair's uh, training and, and uh, of these new recruits, and uh, the way loyalty is, is brought up and discussed in this episode is also very, very interesting. You know, Crosshair... You wonder, is Crosshair's loyalty because of that inhibitor chip? You know, are these new recruits now loyal because of what he just made them do to these, these non-armed combatants? These, these unarmed non-combatants, excuse me. Uh... So how does the Empire earn loyalty when they commit atrocities? That's something that I hope we can explore a little bit more fully as well. You know, then like I said, Crosshair's got his mantra, and he's passing it on to these recruits, good soldiers follow orders, which I think we all know is is um, a bit of a contradiction in, in many, many senses. You know, uh, following orders is often the excuse of a, of a poor soldier who makes poor decisions in, in the face of right and wrong. So it... it this is all stuff I want to explore. This is all stuff I want to see, and I can't wait to see what they do next. I really dug this episode. I, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. It's a real blast. And, and you know, I, I don't know if you've been... I can't even remember if we've been giving out ratings or anything. Um, <laughs> But but if we haven't been, that's a mistake on my part. This is an 8.5, easy. almost. You know, I'd say it's almost a 9, uh, except I want to I kind of see how it all plays out. I want to see where we land on some cer- certain things. Easy 8.5. I love the contrasting dark and lightness as well in the, in the episode. You know, you have that A storyline with the Batch and Omega and like their bonding and their family building on that, on that desolate moon, uh, you know, kind of maroon there. Uh, and then you have, the, 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 the again, the contrast of the darkness, the rise of the Empire, the chain codes, the, the recruitment of these new soldiers, and Crosshair is just completely cold ruthlessness and that being instilled into these new recruits. I love it so much. Again, it's a wonderful juxtaposition of light and dark. The, the contrasts, the, the, the it's oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. This is a great episode. Really, really dug it. Can't wait to see what we get next week. And that concludes <laughs> our review of Replacements, episode three of season one of The Bad Batch. So on a quick programming note before we wrap up for the day, uh, I wanted to give you a heads up that on Monday we're dropping a, a, a new episode, but it won't be a Clone Wars rewatch episode. No, no, no. We're gonna take a quick, a little pause, uh, because we got about like four or five episodes that are pretty tightly connected coming up. Um, but the other weekend, a couple weekends ago, uh, I sat down with with uh, with my with my with my brother Mark, who you may remember from our our Jedi, our, our Star Wars podcast day episode, uh, and we did a review on Ewoks: Caravan of Courage. And I can't wait for you all to hear it. It's a pretty fun episode. It's a pretty fun discussion. We get into some of the craziness that is that that movie that that old TV movie from the '80s that I remember very very well. I don't know how many of you in the listening audience were, were watching it back in like 1984 when it when it debuted on ABC. Um, but now that it's on that vintage tab on 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 the Star Wars page on Disney Plus, everyone can can watch these things, and it's 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 kind of cool to be able to revisit some of the stuff that. Uh, you know, is basically branded as legends, but is also very, very interesting. So we're gonna over the course of time, we are gonna explore the content that's on that on that vintage tab. You know, the two Ewoks movies, the two seasons of Tartakovsky's Clone Wars are on there. Uh, we'll get to the Faithful Wookiee as well. The part of the Holiday Special that's been excised and and placed on the on the on that vintage tab. Yeah, we're gonna get into all of it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So that's coming on Monday. Ewoks Caravan of Courage. Get ready for that one. And then we'll be back on Friday with the next episode of the Bad Batch. And then the following Monday we resume our Clone Wars rewatch. So that's that's the next three episodes for you. Get ready. Uh, if you want to take your bucket off to get grab you know, grab a soda or something, bag of chips, this will be just fine. Just just fine. I want to thank everyone once again for listening to this podcast. Uh, my name is Tom, and this is the Mandavision Podcast. Please follow us on social media. Mando, at, excuse me, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Please give us a follow and, and like those sweet, sweet pictures that I'm dropping. That's so much fun. You can reach out to us uh, via email, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Amazon, Audible, and so many, many more. Please make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all your friends, family, loved ones, the Mandalorians in your covert, people you have life debts to, people in life debts to you, and uh, people you have, you have blood feuds with. That's perfect. That's the audience we want. So please help us out by doing so. And if you have the time and can write a five-star review, it would go a really, really long way to defeating the tyranny that is the algorithm, a.k.a. the Empire. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of MandoVision. We're going to be back so soon. Like, you're not even going to know what happened. Like, it's, it's just going to be so fast. So, so fast. I thank you all once again for listening. And one more time, we thank the Maker. Happy birthday, George Lucas. All right, this podcast can only end one way, and this is the way. This is the way.
0: This This is the way. way. This is the way.
1: I never had my own room before.
0: Well, you're part of this squad now, too.